Welcome to the Bill Cartwright Show with Steve Cohen. Our special guest today is basketball coach, Mr. Derek Phelps. Derek, welcome to the show. Oh, appreciate you having me. Thank you. You know, I have uh, something interesting and uh, then I'll let it go is that uh, I see you have a birthday coming up. I, I didn't realize our birthdays are one day apart. Mine's on the 30th. <laughs> Yours on the 31st. So uh, happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to you. And maybe that's why we get along, man. So it's a Leo thing. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Derek, can you talk about um, a little bit about uh, where you grew up? And what I want you to talk about is your parents. Okay. Well, I, I grew up in uh, Queens, New York. And uh, of course, both of my parents, my father, tell you the truth, was he played basketball himself. Uh, my father is about 6'2". Uh, he's, from, he's originally from New York as well, from Queens. Uh, played at a high school called John Bound High School. Uh, good program, the public school in New York City. And uh, he used to play against guys like, like Eddie Fogler back in the day. Wow. And stuff like that. And uh, you know, he played on a, like a nice little good team. And uh, the funny part, he's a lefty as well. Same, same, same as me. <laughs> and uh, I, just, I just remember with him all the time, just, I don't recall watching him play. I, I could tell you that, but I know I, I see all the little clippings and stuff like that. You know, he was, he was more of a scoring guard. Let's put it that way. You know, total, total opposite for me. I was more of a point guard. And, uh, you know, really tough-minded, you know, physical guard. And like I said, and he was different because he was left-handed, you know, which, you know, playing against lefties is always a different deal. And uh, and I kind of really learned the game from him, you know, just taking me to the parks all the time and just playing. And and I remember I, I could never beat him. I could, you know, I could never beat him. Even if I had my, one of my best friends that was pretty good, go two against one, we couldn't beat him. And that, that, that always kind of made me very determined, like one of these days, I get a little days. older and stronger, <laughs> this thing is going to happen. And uh, of course, eventually, you know how it goes when your son gets better and gets stronger and, and gets good, your father stops playing you. <laughs> that, that always happened. But uh, my mother, my mother just, she's really the one that kept with me with the basketball stuff. She didn't play any sports, you know, she just worked you know, just a hardworking woman, you know, you know, work with some good companies up in the World Trade Center area in, in the New York City. And uh, I'll tell you a little funny story. When, uh, when the bombings happened at the World Trade Center, she, she worked at, you know, it's like seven of them, World Trade Centers, it's like seven buildings and stuff like that. And of course, everybody used to call me because she, Everybody saying, you know, your mother's in that building. I'm like, no, she's on the outside of it, but she still was involved in part of that deal. So I'm glad it's fortunate that she wasn't part of being in the, in the two World Trade Center uh, buildings. But that was a scary thought. But I said my mom's my rock because she the one that used to take me to practice every day, pick me up from practice if it was late. Or, you know, of course, I take the school bus as well. But she was the one that made sure I got to everything I needed to get to playing basketball wise and got me to the point that me getting, you know, recruited by North Carolina and going to North Carolina. So 
Talk about yourself in high school. You talked about your dad uh, really teaching you how to play. But talk about yourself in high school. What kind of kid were you? What were you thinking? And uh, talk about some of your other mentors back then. Yeah, going to high school, I went to Christ the King High School in uh, Queens, New York. And uh, it's like a prominent high school. They have a lot of good players that come out the program, you know, that go to college and also play play uh, professionally in the NBA as well. And uh, there's a story that I actually, coming out of eighth grade, I actually uh, played in a, a, a tournament out there in, at Christ the King High School. And when I went there and played, you know, I ended up being the MVP there. And I just loved the gym. It's like one of the biggest gyms in, uh, in the city for high school. And uh, I was like, man, I got, I want to play here. This is the place I wanted to be. And uh, I just happened to, the coach that was actually there. Matter of fact, he presented me the trophy <laughs> when I won MVP. And, uh, and I kind of told him right there, man, if you have an opportunity, I would love to come here. And uh, it just happened and he kind of watched me some more in other, other events and stuff like that. And Fortunate, I ended up going to Christ the King. But me being a kid there, I was, I'm, I'm more of a laid back. I'm not saying don't take anything seriously. I just don't, nothing really gets to me. You know, I'm, I don't get too excited. I don't get too down. I'm just like very even keel. And uh, that was just my personality. And, uh, you know, going through those years, my first year, my freshman year, playing basketball there. We had a really pretty good team. We ended up going 26 and 0 my freshman year. Nice. Yeah, and my backcourt partner at the time was, well, for my, pretty much my career in Christ the King, Khaled Reeves, you know, another NBA, he played in the NBA for like seven, eight years. You know, he ended up going to the University of Arizona. Yeah. And, uh, and we was considered by my senior year, like the best backcourt in the country. And, uh, and why didn't you wind up going? I know maybe I'm skipping some steps, but why didn't you wind up going to college together? Did you discuss that? You know, people have done that, right? I, the, to tell you, the, the, the funny part is like playing, well, I actually played three years with him because he actually played varsity his next year, you know, his sophomore year. I ended up playing JV. So I only played two years of varsity. And, uh, but when we got to varsity together, my junior year with him, we kind of just took off. We was the, one of the best teams in the country. We ended up, I think we was number two in the country my junior year, you know, behind uh, St. Anthony's over there in Jersey. Uh, and like, we played so well together that people thought we hung out together all the time. You know, you know, you get to the point like, man, y'all dudes, y'all so great on the court. Y'all, y'all, y'all gel, everything goes smooth. But off the court, we never hung out at all. You know what I'm saying? So, People used to come in the street like, hey, man, where's your boy Khalid? I'm like, I don't hang out with Khalid. I said, on the, <laughs> I said, on the court, yeah, we, we like best of friends. We good to go. But off the court, we go opposite ways. And uh, I think that probably was the reason we didn't actually go to college together because we wasn't really tight like that, you know, off the court. But our bond on the court was like tremendous. <laughs> I was going to say, because people talk about our, like you watched the NBA finals, like Chris Middleton and... Giannis aren't necessarily that close off the court, but on the court, they're close. And I don't know, I'm just curious, you know, you could talk about that dynamic where you don't necessarily have to be best friends to be effective with somebody. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you just have that chemistry when you get on the court. You know, it could be somebody I probably never played with before, but you get on the court and you just see that just, man, you just feel that this, uh, the chemistry and just the, I, I know a lot of guys come up to me all the time, man, I love playing with you because, you know, I'm the one that gets guys the ball. <laughs> you know, I'm going to defend. And like, you know, I'm a pass first point guard. So people love to play with me. And like, I'm the one that's going to like, if you're open, I'm going to give it to you. You know, I'm going to put you in the right situation that you have an opportunity to, to shine for yourself. You know, I'm not all about, oh, it's all about me as a point guard. I need to score. No, I'm all about winning. I think that's the biggest key with me. And that's why me and Khaled got real tight on the court because he loves scoring, let's put it that way. <laughs> and I was the one that put him in the right position. And when he gets the ball, it's, it's, it's going in the basket. That's how, he was. that's how we were in high school. And that's why we was considered one of the best coming, coming out those years. So you had a great high school career. So what were you thinking after high school and how did you end up at North Carolina? Man, to be honest with you, I wasn't like a big fan of uh, college basketball coming out of high school. You know, I just played. I was just a guy that loved playing the game. I wasn't thinking about the next level. I was just thinking about the moment, just who my, who my teammates were at high school, just having fun with them and just playing. And I, of course I was talented and, you know, I love to play and I love to practice and I love to compete. It just happened that by my junior year, it just, I started to get a lot of basketball offers. And of course you get a lot of phone calls from college coaches, of course. And, and then I started to pique my interest to start to watch college basketball a lot more. And, the funny part, back in the day, I was a big Georgetown fan. You know, yeah. the Hoyas with, you know, the Patrick Ewans, the Reggie Williams, you know, the David Wingates, you know, that was yeah. like a team. <laughs> so that kind of really piqued my interest. And, and then I started, like, focus on college a lot more, watching more teams. And I was a big Syracuse fan, too, as well. The Big East was big, really big back then. You know, even St. John's with the Walter Berries, you know, the Chris Mullins. You know, I used to love to say, I used to go to Lou Conner second camp all the time in high school. So I was a big fan of St. John's as well. And uh, Syracuse at the time, they were, they were very good. I was a big Sherman Douglas fan. So it was just, Big East was so big coming out of high school. You know, I thought I was probably gonna go to a Big East school. But uh, just the focus of me going, uh, just playing ball in high school. And of course the, the big college interest was coming at me. It's, uh, I had a few choices, you know, I, you know, Syracuse was really big on me. Uh, Arizona was very big on me because they wanted me and Khaled. Uh, and of course, North Carolina came in the picture with uh, Coach Dean Smith. I had also Seton Hall with PJ Carlissimo there at the time. And, uh, and Tennessee was a big consideration as well because I have a lot of family in the Tennessee area, you know, from my grandfather, that side of my, my mom's side of the family. So that's where Wade Houston was there. And uh, Allen Houston was one of the star players at the time at Tennessee. So uh, it was, I had some good, oh, I also had Kentucky where Rick Pitino was the coach, the head coach at Kentucky at the time. And of course he being a New Yorker, he was very heavy on recruiting New York guys. And, uh, but I only went on three visits, 
My first visit was at Arizona first. Me and Khaled did not go together for, I was the first one to go to Arizona to visit. And I got, I kind of, I loved it. I was like, man, this is great. You know, traveling, going to the, the pond, the trees and the, just the weather. I was like, this is gorgeous. And uh, I was very excited, but I had to compose myself because it was my first visit. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So when I came back and I told Khaled, cause he was trying, he was going next the next weekend. And uh, and when he came back from it, he, he said, I'm going. So I had to catch myself with him. I was like, whoa, he's going, but he already been on two other visits. So he had a, he had a chance to look at other schools first before me. So he had an idea, he wanted warm weather. That was it, that was his biggest deal. He's like, if I go to school, it gotta be warm weather. <laughs> so he, he ended up going to like Texas and like UCLA on visits. And you know, his, his big deal was warm weather, but that's kind of like, maybe kind of like to Arizona, I'm nah, probably not gonna go now since he's going. Then my next visit was Syracuse. And of course, Syracuse is about five hours from the city. It's not, it's, well, it's far, it's close, but it's far. <laughs> but uh, I went there and I wasn't really a big fan. It just, it was just not my cup of tea. I could tell you that, you know, I did like the campus but I felt like I needed more in a way like to be away from New York City. I, I felt like I wanted to get out, get out of New York, even though that's not the city, it was, you know, it was in the state and it just wasn't my cup of tea. And um, my third visit was Carolina. And uh, of course, just going there and like seeing all the Carolina blue and just, just the Southern hospitality of people just being so nice. You walk down the street and people just saying hello to you, waving to you and I'm just like, me being a New Yorker, I'm like, why are y'all waving at me? <laughs> you know, just a New York attitude. Like, hold on, y'all don't know me. <laughs> but the visit was great, man. I think the biggest thing that kind of made me go to Carolina when sitting in the office with Dean Smith and he was talking to me and he was like, he's like, yeah, I know you're a great player out of high school. I know you're a McDonald's All-American, but I think it'll be hard for you to uh, come here and play. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, you say, no, you got to really go out to work hard and try to get minutes coming here. So I'm thinking like Arizona, they were telling me the ball's going to be in your hand. Syracuse, the ball's going to be in your hand. You're going to run the show. But I'm coming here to Carolina. You say, I'm going to have to work for my minutes and try to get in there. I was like, this is, this is a, opposite way of recruiting I see. <laughs> so I so I took that as a challenge, really. I was like, yeah, I want somebody to challenge me and make me want to compete to try to make get playing time. And so that kind of that that hit that hit home run to me. That was like, oh he gonna make me compete for my spot instead of just handing me the ball and say the ball is yours. So that kind of took me over the top, even though campus was great you know, the players and stuff like that. And and he also said, the coach said to me, you know, he's like, I know you make McDonald's All-American, but we have eight more on our team, just like you. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I got to come here so I can just come here and compete and challenge whoever. At the time it was King Rice was the point guard at the time. And he was about to be a senior. So I was like, I guess me and King Rice going to be battling practice every day and see who going to win. So that, that was probably the biggest moment for me that wanted me, made me want to go to Carolina because just the competitive atmosphere and 
nothing was given to me. You know, I had to earn it. Can you, can you talk about your first year there and what was it like to have to compete? You know what? It was great. It was, uh, I think it was a battle every time we, even I got there in the summer, of course, you know, just to get ahead, get a couple of credits and stuff like that, just to get acclimated. And, uh, and when we got there, man, it was like, at the time it was King Rice was a senior, Rick Fox was a senior and also Pete Chilcutt. Those are yeah. three senior captains. And they didn't have a great year the year before. So they were so determined that summer to put in the work and, you know, bring the Carolina name back to where it was supposed to be. You know, they, they struggled the year before. And uh, so we was battling that summer every day just to get better. You know, you know, like they say, iron sharp as iron. That's, that's what we was doing. We was actually competing. And uh, of course, me being a big point guard, being a 6'4", you know, I brought a different dynamic. And uh, they saw the, they saw my future being like, man, this kid's going to be bright, you know, and especially going against King Rice every day because he never practiced against a guy like myself every day. Like, especially me being a defender, me coming at him, picking him up full court, pressuring him. He's like, he never seen anything like that. And I was good at stealing the ball one-on-one. So it was like, it's not an easy picnic <laughs> for sure. And uh, just to, and the funny part, we came in as five freshmen too. So similar to your, Steve, to your Fab Five, we was, we was before the Fab Five, before the Fab Five. <laughs> so I came in with Eric Montross, was our center, Clifford Rozier, basically our power forward. We had uh, Brian Reese, my New York partner from uh, the Bronx. And, uh, and our last guy was Pat Sullivan, a Jersey guy, you know, and we, we basically came in as four all, McDonald's All-Americans. And Pat Sullivan was a really high, highly touted guy, but we were, we were pretty good at freshmen. So when we came in there, we was coming in to try to take over the, the realms. <laughs> so we, we was very competitive as a group and you know, we stuck together because we had to play against, you know, like I said, Rick Fox, Clifford Rosier, Hubert Davis, you know, he was there at the time. Uh, George Lynch, you know, another uh, deck along 12 year pro. So it was practice was very competitive every day because, of course, freshmen, we wanted to show what we can do. And of course, the seniors like, oh, we've been here, you know, the older guys. Y'all got to go through us. So Coach Smith used to always have us go against the older guys all the time. And you know how coaches do. Well, we played like a eight-minute scrimmage or something like that, and maybe the older guys won by, what, maybe nine or ten. Well, in a 40-minute game, y'all really would have lost by 40 points. And, you know, we was like, okay, coach. So the next day in practice, we would beat the uh, older team because just because Coach Smith – kept our competitive spirit, like, okay, that's how it was gonna be. And it was, it was like very competitive. That made us good that year. And our fr my freshman year, we ended up going to the final four, which is my first taste of playing in a big time spotlight of college basketball. And I was like, man, I love to do this every year just to get the taste of it. And uh, and that, that, was, that was our year. We ended up being 34 and four that year and lost in the final four to Kansas. Hey, talk about being, I was never in a Final Four. Talk about being in a Final Four series. What, what is that like? Talk about the pressure. 
Well, okay. Man, my first year, my freshman year, it might have not been a lot of pressure for me because I, I played Irish about 12 to 15 minutes a game my freshman year. But being there and just, uh, it's just everything focused on those four teams that on that weekend. And uh, who was the final four that year? Uh, 91. It was Kansas, us, uh, Duke, and uh, UNLV. You know, that was, a, that was a pretty good four there. And, uh, of course, we ended up losing to Kansas. And uh, Duke was a shocker beating uh, UNLV with the Larry Johnsons, you know, Stacey Augman, uh, Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt. That was, the, that was the team that won it the year before in uh, 90. But it just, it's just, it's an exciting time, man. It just, everything's focused. You got all your fans that come to the Final Four. And that year it was in Indianapolis. And it was just... You just felt the like, like the moment. It's like, man, this is this is what the I'm, like. You're two games away of winning a national championship, and it's like all the work you put in. It's like all we need is two more games, man. Of course, it's always one game at a time, and it just I thought we competed hard in my freshman year, to, and it was a close game against Kansas. It felt like you're playing against yourself because we calling each other plays out because Roy Williams is running basically the same thing we running. At Carolina, so being from a Coach Smith Carolina tree, and it's like, who got who gonna execute better? You know, it wasn't all about the better players. It's like who gonna execute better? And uh, and of course, Kansas ended up beating us. And playing in the Final Four, man, is like it's the one. The I think like most exciting moment I in my career that I had because I ended up, of course, winning a national championship. But it's most competitive, most exciting, and like. It's where you want to be because you work so hard to get to that moment. Now, we, we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about the Michigan game, cover that with all the hype, <laughs> Fab Five and all that. Uh, everybody watched it. I watched it. Tell me about that game all the way up to the big mistake. Huh. Uh, I'll talk about when I first woke up that morning. <laughs> uh, of course... You watch the TV and like everybody was going against Carolina. Let's put it that way. And in that in that atmosphere of like waking up, and this might be the first time I really had the jitters before the game. You know, usually I'm like the cool and calm guy, but this was like your national championship game. And I had the jitters all morning, even that shoot around. It's like I couldn't wait for the ball to go up. And it's just like, just the anticipation for the game. But just watching TV, talking to the press, everybody saying Michigan's favorite, they're gonna win, blah, blah, blah. So that was the motivation too. And uh, during the you know, practices, we going hard, we doing our routine. And we poised, Coach Smith always have us poised, but you know, I think we all were nervous. And nobody never recalls that we actually played Michigan during that year in Christmas and lost on a buzzer shot. So nobody mentions that at all because we played them in the, in the Hawaii in Honolulu and we was up one. And I think uh, what actually happened, uh, Chris, this is about eight seconds left in the game. Chris Weber had the ball, shot the ball over the rim, attacking the basket and Jalen Rose tipped the ball in to beat us in Hawaii. So we was, our goal is like, if we in the Final Four and Michigan's there, we wanted to play Michigan, which actually we playing them. So 
we felt like we can beat those guys. But the hype was all about Fab Five, the black shorts, the long shorts, the black socks, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, the five freshmen, well, five sophomores that this year. So going, going into the game, once the ball went up, my nerves were done. I was good. It's like, it's time for basketball. You know, them, I, I didn't have the jitters no more. It was like, it's basketball time. So it was uh, very competitive in the beginning. I think we came out on an early lead. I thought we, we were playing very well. And uh, like I said, Montrose was playing well. George Lynch was, you know, it was a battle with the big guys, with Jawan Howard and Chris Webb against Montrose and George Lynch. So we was a team that threw the ball inside all the time to our big guys. So it was very competitive. And we had a good early start. And uh, and we were just we were playing everything like they're gonna have to make outside shots to beat us. Let's put it that way. And, you know, they didn't have really and they starting five guys that can make shots on a consistent basis. So we kind of play like a little pack packed in. And so that kept us ahead of the game and competing. And then they bring in Rob Palenka, comes in and start banging threes. It's like, oh boy, where is this coming from? <laughs> he, he wasn't really on the scouting report. <laughs> so Rob Palenka kind of opened up the game for them and brought them back and kind of made it very competitive by halftime. And uh, okay, we started the second half and same deal. We going back and forth, back and forth. And so to get to, to the fourth quarter, close game, I think we ended up, I ended up making a layup to put us up. And of course the layup went around the rim, around the rim. And it actually went in and that, that kind of was like our first lead, like towards the end of the five minute part. So it was a battle, battle, battle towards that time. And uh, so the point comes, we are, Pat Sullivan got fouled. We at this, at this point, we are up one. This is around, I don't know, 11, 12 seconds, up one. Pat shooting two free throws. He makes the first one. We up two. Pat Sullivan misses the second one. Chris Weber grabs the rebound. I'm actually at half court because I'm on, the, you know, I'm protecting the, any fast break opportunities. Chris Weber grabs the rebound. He wants to throw it to Jalen Rose on the uh at the free throw line area, but George Lynch jumps in front of it and makes Chris Webber travel, which unbelievable how three refs on the court never sees a travel. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. A whole bitch jumps up. Coach Smith even jumps up. Talk about travel. They didn't see it. Chris Webber brings the ball up. I'm at half court. I kind of lead, I run into him and I kind of lead him into the corner. And he started still dribble, dribble to the corner. And then comes George Lynch to come in. This was our deal too. Even though if your back is turned, George Lynch is automatically going to try to trap him. So that's why he came in the corner to try to trap him. And all of a sudden, he turns to the ref with the timeout signal, and boom, he calls timeout, and they don't have any. Now, of course, we knew they didn't have any timeouts. They probably knew themselves, too, except Chris Webber at the time. But, you know, in that moment, I can under I could probably understand you got – I don't know if Chris Webber was thinking this at the time. I know how we thinking. I'm one of the, I'm the number one steel leader at Carolina history. George Lynch is number two. So you got the two best steel guys and defenders got you in the corner. And I, 
I think that kind of make you a little rattle a little bit and you got nowhere to go. So in that moment, it's kind of nerve wracking and he calls the timeout and from there, Donald Williams hits two free throws, get the ball back, get fouled again, and it's pretty much a wrap after that. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, Donald Williams was our spark plug because he was outstanding in those two final four games, averaging 25 points a game, just lights out shooting the ball for us. So he was a big key component for us to you know, win, win a national championship. That, that was an amazing game because I, I remember that game going back and forth. Uh-huh. And then to have it in like that was incredible. So that is one of those games everybody will remember. Yeah. It was it's it was an incredible game. And everybody, it, it comes on all the time. Like, so when every time they show it, you know, on like a classic or something, people call me all the time when it comes on. Hey, you know, you're on TV again, final four, blah, blah, blah. But and, 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 of course, the history with Dean Smith winning in New Orleans, his two national championships, one against Georgetown when I think Sleepy Floyd goes to James Worthy, you know, like a crazy incident that they had an opportunity to win. And now the, the timeout game, you know, is, which is incredible that Dean Smith was part of those two games that could have went either way. So talk about when your career is over with Carolina. What are you thinking? Are you thinking about being a professional player? What are what are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts the thought I had a good chance of being drafted, to tell you the truth. You know, just uh sitting down with Coach Smith, my family, you know, just because of the opportunity. I had a pretty good senior year. Uh of course, my four my four years, I had a lot of injuries in my four years at Carolina. And I think that kind of kind of haunted me for getting picked up in a draft, but I was thinking I was going to play NBA hundred percent. And um, when I did not get drafted, um, Milwaukee Bucks was the first call right after the draft that wanted me to come in. And uh, I ended up going to Milwaukee uh, talking at the time. It was Mike Dunley was the head coach at the time. And uh, they wanted to bring me in because they felt like they needed a good young third guard at the time it was Eric Murdoch as the point guard starting guard and Lee Mayberry was the backup guard and they felt like they could use me as the just in case anything happens and uh and the funny part during the uh preseason Eric Murdoch got poked in the eye and so I think he had to get something happened he was out for like two to three months something crazy and and I finished the preseason just and Lee, Mayberry, Lee Mayberry ended up being the point guard, the starting guard, and I backed him up. And we had a pretty good uh, preseason. And uh, I just remember, like, towards the end of preseason, you know, with the last cuts and stuff like that, you know, Dunleavy brings me in and it was like, you know, I love your size. I think you should, you know, you being a big guard, you should learn how to post up more, you know, against smaller guards. You know, he's giving me, giving me great feedback of, uh, you know, what I can get better at and stuff like that. And then he gave me with the, the bad, the bad message after that. And it was like, I think since Murdoch is out for a couple of months, I think we need to bring more experience as a backup for Lee Mayberry because he really hasn't been a starter before and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, come on, man. So I ended up, you know, didn't make the team, of course. And I ended up going to the CBA just to fight it out. 
that year. And but uh, I got I did get a call up. I got called I got called up to the Sacramento Kings because uh, the situation. This is the time when uh, Bobby Hurley got in an accident and stuff like that after the game. And uh, and I got I got the call up, and um, then I was there with uh, Spud Webb. Yeah. Was the point guard at the time, and Randy Brown was like the backup, the spud, and they used me as the third guard at that time. So I did get a good taste, and they signed me for the rest of the year. So and at that time, we were battling at the end of the year to try to make the playoffs, and uh, and that's when uh, Denver ended up getting in. Remember Dikembe Mutombo? You know that year that they won, they got the eighth spot, and you know, we was right there at the ninth spot trying to get in there. So. I got a good taste of being part of that. And, you know, with Mitch Richmond and Olden Polonese, you know, those guys, uh, Lionel Simmons, L-Train, you know, playing with those guys, Dwayne Coswell. So, you know, good group of guys that, you know, go out there and play hard. So that was a great experience for me. But I did after that, I just never stuck. You know, I tried, went back to the CBA and, uh, the crazy part, this is when uh, a year later, this is when Toronto and Vancouver came into the league and they had the expansion draft. And uh, and I was still with Sacramento. So they this moment they picking guys off the expansion draft, picking guys from on different teams. And I got drafted on the sixth pick for Vancouver at the time. So I'm like, oh man, I'm in. <laughs> I'm good to go. You know, and at the time, they, Greg Anthony was the uh, point guard. And so it's like, I'm like, man, I'm going to back up Greg Anthony and be, you know, two lefties. And uh, this didn't work out for me. I, they ended up signing some other guard and I just got stuck of just not having a team. And Stu Jackson really liked me. He just didn't, he just didn't keep me. So that was my, my little career of having a little NBA taste and thought I was going to uh, stick around for many years about playing overseas you know what playing overseas i played over 12 years in europe uh my first year was in germany and my first year it wasn't easy it was not easy you know me going to a different country culture language just watching tv and you just got nothing but german on tv <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it was my first two months was really rough for me. You know, all I had was basketball, you know, fortunately my teammates were very good, you know, and you was only allowed two Americans on the team. And, uh, and of course I'm out there being a single guy. And I think my other, my other American at the time was Ted Jeffries from Virginia. And, you know, he had a wife. And so I'm a guy that I'm not going to bother somebody that had his, you know, family there. And, and I kept to myself a lot and just stayed in my room. I, th- I remember my pops used to always send me Nick games on VHS tape. This one is VHS tapes <laughs> were involved. So, you know, he used to send me like the whole season of Nick games. And I used to sit there and watch Nick games all the time. And hey, Carl Wright, I used to watch you all the time. That's why I know about the Knicks games a lot. <laughs> so like I said, I'm a big Nick fan. So I, that was like my day. I should sit there and go out, get something to eat, come back in the house and watch Nick games. That was my deal my first two months in Germany, my first year. Then I kind of met some people and we had an army base uh, in town. So that kind of helped me as well. And this is 
This is a time be, uh, before 9-11 that you actually can go on base with your American passport and show it and no issues. And uh, they had a Burger King, American Burger King there. You know, you go to the PX and go in there and get stuff. So it kind of helped me in a way that I can get American groceries and function. And then I met a couple of military guys. And when I met those guys, I started to hang around those guys a lot and kind of made things easier for me. And and like got the and they and they knew the town a little bit because they'd been there before. So they used to take me out, show me restaurants and once I got in that groove, everything came pretty much easy for me, man. And uh, I played in Germany for like six years and I love Germany. Germany, one of my favorite places I played at. And uh, Berlin's one of my favorite cities. And another thing about Germany, they second language is English. So I can walk in a restaurant and actually talk a little English and I can get what I want. So that always helped. And uh, playing in Germany was like my biggest career. I won two championships there. Uh, ended up being MVP in 2001 for the German League. So, like I said, I had a great career. And like I said, Germany was one of my favorite places and just very competitive teams out there. Ended up playing in the Euro League with the German team, Alba Berlin. And so I got to compete at the highest level in Europe for like three years. So that was that was fun for me just to be in that, playing at that level, going against top European players and stuff like that. Then everywhere else was just one year stops. You know, I ended up going to Russia, France, Poland, the Netherlands, Romania. And it, it wasn't it wasn't the same as like my German years, but it was it was something different for me that I get to travel the world and actually play in these different countries and meet different people, meet different cultures. And uh it was a great experience and I got a chance to bring my mother to all of those places too, which was, which was fun for her because who would, who never, you would never think that basketball would take you all over the world. I wasn't never thinking that playing in high school or even in college at the time doing that. I thought I had a chance to be an NBA guy for a long time, but that experience will, will always last forever in me in my mind. So after a while you had to make the decision and I'm curious, how did you know you were done playing? Uh, you know what? I think the biggest thing, I was more done mentally than I was physically. I feel I still could play. This was around, I was 37. And uh, I still was in great shape, you know. But my mindset was like, I can't come in Europe. I can't come to Europe another nine to 10 months with the travel, the buses, this, it was like, I'd done enough. I felt in my mind that I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore mentally. And it just, it, it was kind of hard for me. And I was just thinking, what, what, what am I going to do when I'm done? So I had to get myself prepared for that and going back home and settling in where I was going to live when I go back home and what I was gonna do. And I felt like I made enough money that I can like maybe take a year or two off and just enjoy it going back home. But uh, kind of just my plans kind of changed. When I did get back home, I kind of went back to my alma mater, Christ the King, and started just, I, I continued to work out, but then I was helping 
the high school team, you know, working them out, you know, working with the guys and the coach wanted me to, since I was doing that and doing well with the guys and they were getting better, he wanted me to stick around and coach with them, you know, sit on the bench. And I was like, hey, I'm not doing anything. I can do that. And uh, then I just started catching the coaching bug. And, uh, you know, you just be around the guys. You see them getting better. They're improving. And, uh, and you know, being on Christ the King, you get a lot of college coaches coming in all the time. You know, they were just liking the things I was doing with the players and stuff like that. And uh, it's like, man, you should coach college. And I was like, well, y'all guys offer me a job. <laughs> that was my biggest thing. Like, go offer me a job. And, uh, and I just ended up, uh, you know, doing that for a year. Then the next year, I ended up uh, going to Fordham University with uh, Tom Pecora. He just got the job there. And, uh, and I, I, didn't, I wasn't a coaching uh, job, it was a video coordinator, you know, just to get my foot in the door. And uh, I didn't know anything about videos and <laughs> how to do a highlight tape or cut a tape up. I had no clue, but my experience, I got like a crash course. I had a guy come in and just give me like a two hour course of figuring things out. And I just had to continue to play with it. and figure out my own way of learning how to cut tape and, you know, make tape, highlight tapes and doing stuff for the team. And I got really good at it, you know, towards the end of my, my first year with Fordham. And uh, that was, that was a pretty interesting year for me too. But I, the best thing was that I was home in New York and I was comfortable. And I just, I was just glad to just be around basketball that kind of kept me going. Was this right? Your first job you ended up in Palmouth? My first assistant coaching job, yes. With King Rice, the guy I'm competing in at Carolina that gave me my first assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So talk to me. So when did you learn your first year of, of coaching? Uh I learned quickly that I can't be so direct and honest to kids. You know, I was the guy that just tell you that you're not that good. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you right in your face, like, you're not that good, man. I don't know what you what you're talking about. You coming out here like you the best thing on sliced bread and you're not that good. So I'm like, I had a big honest approach. You know, sometimes you gotta massage kids' head and make him play a different way. I was just like, man, you're not good. Figure it out. You know, you know, we, we need better. And uh, I had to adjust, you know, I would be in, I would be in a player as a coach instead of me being a coach and trying to, you know, help kids get better. Instead of me saying, hey man, get him out, like sub him out, get him out of here. That's how I was a player. Like, oh man, he, not, he ain't ready to play today. Sub him out. So I had to adjust on that, <clears throat> excuse me, on that mindset of like, you got to coach kids to, get the, the best out of their talent and talk to them in a way that they get, you can get it out of them. Some plays you can tell them honestly, Hey, you suck, get better. You know, you know, you could, you could tell some kids that, you know, but some kids, you, if you tell them you're going to lose them and then that's, that's going to hurt the team and stuff like that. So that was my biggest adjustment as a coach my first year. So talk to me about your next three teams because you ended up going to Columbia, 
You mm -hmm. ended up at USF and now you're at uh, Washington State. Talk yeah. to me the difference in those three schools and mm -hmm. talk to me about your head coach because you've been with all three of them. You've uh, been all three stops you've been with them. Yes, yes. So me leaving Monmouth was hard because I was with my Carolina guys. You know, King Rice was the head coach. And also the other assistant coach was Brian Reese, my, of course, a guy I came into Carolina with. So me leaving that program, which is in New Jersey, uh, I got an opportunity to go to Columbia because of a friend of mine that's on the basketball board at Columbia, which is a guy that I used to be around with at Christ the King, which, you know, always a connection. And he used, to always, he used to always be in Kyle Smith's ear that if you ever have an opening, you need to talk to Derek Phelps. <laughs> like, and Kyle's been at Columbia for like maybe four years at this time. So when the job finally, he had an opening, one of his guys left and went to another program. I think it finally got through that uh, Kyle's, no, no, the, the guy I was talking about told me like, you need to call Kyle Smith right now. Here's his number. <laughs> if the job is open. So I do, I call immediately. I'm like, you know, and just to go back a little bit, I used, Monmouth is in New Jersey. I was still living in New York City. I was, so I was traveling an hour and 15 minutes to drive to Monmouth every day. So it was kind of ideal if I go to Columbia, it's only like 10 minutes to go to go to work. So it was ideal for me if I can get this job that, hey, I'm close, I'm very close. So that kills my commute. <laughs> but I called Kyle, had a great conversation on the phone. And he just like, you know what, let's just stay in touch. And I was like, okay, you know, and we kept on staying in touch. I know he, he ended up going to the West Coast with his family, doing little vacations. We were texting a lot, just having great conversations. And, uh, and when he got back, he said, when we get back, to, when I get back to New York, you know, let's, let's meet in person. So we ended up going, uh, when he got back, we met face to face, ended up having a breakfast in the morning at a, if y'all watch Seinfeld, y'all know about the diner, the Seinfeld diner in New York City. That's where he actually had our breakfast at the little Seinfeld spot. <laughs> so we sat there talking, had breakfast, had a good talk. Then we ended up going to the office, to his office at Columbia. And we was in there for like two hours straight, just talking basketball. And we kind of, con we, we, we connected so well together that he said, you know what? I'm offering you the job right there and then on the spot. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I was like, wow. I was like, he's like, I'm offering you the job on the spot, but still, I want you to go home and think about it. Talk, talk to my girlfriend, which is my wife now <laughs> at the time. And, uh, and of course she was like, yeah, you definitely go into that. And, uh, and that's how I started with Kyle at Columbia. And now being at Columbia is so different from any other program because you know it's a high academic school no scholarships no scholarship everything is need based and uh that's i think that's one of the hardest recruiting you do you gotta you gotta recruit kids that can't say i can't give you a scholarship you know it's, it's like family need or 
you know, if you're in a poor situation or middle class, you got to figure things out to see how much money you can give families or the kid that's coming to school. And you got to have the grades. So that's a, it's a tough deal. And it's going, it always, I always think about it too. It's like, it's hard to battle the high academic schools like the Stanford that gives scholarships, Notre Dame's, the Northwesterns. You know, you got to fight those teams. And also you got to fight the teams in your league. And it's like, it's like a battle. And I did that for two years. And, uh, and we was very successful my last year there. And we ended up winning 25 games, the most in Columbia history in Columbia basketball. And that's where Kyle Smith got uh, offered a job at the University of San Francisco. And uh, at that time, I didn't know what my future was going to be. You know, I thought I had, because at the time I was basically the associate head coach at Columbia. So I thought I had an opportunity to, uh, to stay in New York. And me being a New Yorker, I thought it was a good opportunity to get the job, but it didn't, did not happen. So Kyle said, uh, if it's okay with you, I want you, I want you to come with me to San Francisco. So I, I did come out to San Francisco and uh, to visit first you know, see the city, you know, meet everybody out there and just check everything out. Uh, and I liked it, you know, and it was a city, I'm a city guy. So I had, I had no issues of uh, going out to a, see a different city. And of course, where I, during my career, where I lived, where I played, you know, being in San Francisco was not gonna hurt my mindset. I just never lived on the West Coast before. That was the only new thing for me. So, but it was a great opportunity. And I, th I thought it was a great opportunity in a way that gave me a better, broaden my horizon a little bit about getting contacts and meeting new people and like having a, a establish myself on the West Coast, let's put it that way. So I thought that was a great advantage for me to go out there and, cause I'm a New Yorker. I got a lot of New York ties. I went to North Carolina. I got a lot of ties in the Carolina area, the Georgia area. So why not go to the West Coast? And uh, and like I said, and, and being at San Francisco, we had playing three years under Kyle Smith, coaching coaching with him. You know, we had three pretty good years, winning 20, 21 seasons those three years. And uh, very competitive teams, very good teams. And uh, shoot, had a great chance our last year to have an NIT bid. You know, you know, we, of course we fell short, but we thought we were pretty good. And uh, then Coach Smith gets another job off, another job offer at Washington State, <laughs> and uh, and that was that was another little roller coaster ride for me too, because I didn't know if I was gonna go with him or not, and uh, thought I had a little opportunity around there in San Francisco as well, but of course that didn't happen. And uh, he said, "You want to come with me at Washington State?" I said, "Let's go," and uh, that kind of and this is where we at now. This is going on my eighth year with Coach Smith. And tell you the truth, when I first met Coach Smith, I would never thought that we'll be together for eight years, going on eight and still going. One thing I, I think that's a recognizable characteristic that you have is that you always make the best of every situation and you don't dwell on negatives and you just keep going, right? And it's very admirable and it's something I think you probably pass along to, you know, your players and family and friends and how did you develop that mindset uh i think i, I developed the mindset by playing by playing the game because uh i've been 
in situations I could have, like starting in high school, like I said, I probably could have went to the varsity my sophomore year and played, but I didn't. So I couldn't be mad about it. So I still had opportunity to play and get better. And like, I took my team to, to the city championship by myself, really, you know, and, and don't let things bother me. You know, like I said, like I said, before I went to Crazy King, I told you I was always even kill. I wasn't a guy that, like I said, I'm not too high, I'm not too low. I just like, all right, it wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to be. And I think that was like how my career in basketball was. Like, if I didn't make a team, yeah, it's it's kind of it hurts a little bit. But I know that I won't let it show. I just keep it going. I still have an opportunity to continue on in my profession to play somewhere else. And that's how I took it as coaching as well. Like, you know, you got opportunities to try to, you know, interview for coaching jobs. If you don't get it, you know, you got to keep it moving because I think my time will actually come and I'm going to keep on pushing for it. And I'm, and when it comes, I'm going to really take advantage of it. So I know when that thing happens, it's gonna, I'm going to take it to that next level. Eric, talk about your family. Because they're they're still in New York, aren't they? Yes, yes. Still yes. in New York. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, my wife, uh, shoot, six been my wife for six years, even though I've been with her before that, a long time before that, but married for six years. We have a son together. He is four years old. He just turned four July 3rd. Nice. Yeah. Uh, ball of energy. Like, I gotta I gotta commend my wife. She's she's the best. Because when I do go home and I'm around him, it's nonstop. <laughs> you you have to find things for him to do for him to just burn energy. It's like he's the whoo. So I commend her. She is the best. Just to, just to deal with that on a daily basis, you know, without me being around. Woo. You know, so but yeah, I do have a four-year-old and also have a I have a 28-year-old son. Uh, he's in the Navy. Uh, he's right now, he's in San Antonio. He's been in the Navy for the past, going on his eighth year, I want to say. And uh, he's stationed out, like I said, stationed out in San Antonio. And he's been around the world a little bit. He's been in Japan, uh, a little bit of Spain. And now he's back home. And I think his next order is to go to uh, San Diego. I was like, man, you got it made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you stationed in San Diego? Oh, I feel sorry for you. Oh, man. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, like I said, my family, since I've been to the West Coast, they haven't come to stay with me. And this is going on my sixth year in the West Coast. So to have a woman like my wife that understands what my goal is and where I want to be is, uh, you know, I commend her a lot on that aspect of it. Of uh, she, want my, she want my goals to be met. Of course, she wanted my goals to be met on the East Coast, though. <laughs> closer to closer to home closer to home so but yeah like i said uh, you know my family's great and uh like i said if i didn't have a wife like i have it'd probably be a bad situation but my family's we, we are tight together we get it well she gets it for sure and like i said you got to have a woman like that on your side to understand the process of where I'm, what i'm doing and what i'm trying to do to get to that head coaching position one day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Derek, thank you so much for having, your, for having, uh, you, on. having me. 
yeah, uh, you had a great, you're having a great journey. Uh, I'm sure you're going to reach your uh, destination. Uh, it, it never is when you expect it, but I'm, I'm sure you'll get there. But thank you for having you on. Uh, you're great. No, appreciate it. Thanks, Steve, as well, man. Yeah, for sure, man. This, this was fun, man. Like a little memory lane a little bit. That's all. <laughs>